0: One way to go beyond your limit for sure is to make sure you can communicate to your brain and you can communicate to your soul and to those people around you in the most effective way possible. And we tend to not realize the importance of communicating to ourselves in the the frame of reference of our own selves. How, How do you talk to yourself? You you might have gone to a store recently for women where the clothing on the inside of it says you are beautiful, uh, you're lovely, we're, we're so glad you're here. And the inside linings of the clothes would give these amazing messages that would encourage the women to be themselves, to be who they are without feeling the chagrin of shopping for clothes and not liking your body and feeling like you're inadequate as a consequence. So how do you talk to yourself when you go and you try on clothing? (laughs) That sounds so simple. How do you talk to yourself when you look into the mirror? When you see yourself and you are now looking at your complexion, your wrinkles, how you need your makeup, if you're tired, if you're swollen, do you look at every flaw that's going on? Not so that you can fix it and problem solve it in the moment, but kind of this gnarly antagonism that you have towards yourself, uh, if you do, you are actually creating a self-hatred cycle inside yourself. Your brain will respond by loathing yourself even more. Your emotions, your biochemistry that supports your emotions will adjust themselves to being antagonistic. Your, your, your fluidness of your system, your neuro... Uh, your neurocircuitry, your neurochemistry will all adjust accordingly because, in a sense, you have given yourself the commands of self hatred. So, wow, this is an opportunity today to truly change this. And one of the people in the field of changing your brain, changing your way of talking to yourself and others so you can influence yourself is Mary Shores. And I am incredibly glad, Mary Shores, I am so glad you are there. Welcome to our show. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fabulous. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. I enjoyed your book, Conscious Communications, more than most self-help books. I write self-help books, I read self-help books. I'm so accustomed to self-help books being very simplistic. While your book is so easy to read, very fluid, very well written, it is not simple. It's on so many different dimensions. So in light of that, Mary Shores, what dimension do you want to introduce to us as we help? People learn how to talk to their brain and to the people around them in a way that shores them up and changes the whole dynamic of what's going to occur. And then, Mary Shores, after you introduce us to this collection of amazing tools that you have, I want the audience to get to know you because you have come authentically out of very dark experiences. And that helps our listeners know that you're the real thing. So, Mary Shores, where do we take this? Where do we go?
1: Hmm. Okay, so I think I'm <laughs> hearing three or four questions there, um, all wrapped into one. So first of all, I just want to say that it has been my joy and my dream come true, and to to write that book. And I appreciated your words about how the the complexities of the book, because but yet yeah, keeping it simple. Because I think that when we start talking about things like neuroscience and the things that we're now learning, which, by the way, is the things that people have known for thousands of years, you know, on the spiritual front, mm-hmm. um, but that we can get in this pigeonhole of new agey type of thinking that takes it to these extremes that really aren't helpful. And mm-hmm. so I really wanted to write a book that is the first of its kind to talk about how we can improve our lives through applying what we are learning about neuroscience because we can learn about neural pathways and neural nets and prefrontal cortex and subconscious mind all day long but if Mm -hmm. you don't know how to apply that stuff to your life it really doesn't change anything Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know and i I think think that i think that it's great so like a really simple example is my own example um I love to tell the story, and this just kind of helps you get to know me as well, that for about 10 years, I had a dream of writing a book. And I would go around saying, I want to write a book, but I'm not a writer. And our words are like a mirror to your subconscious programming. And I think that, I think that lots of people can identify with sentences like, I want to start a business, but I don't have enough money. I want to lose weight, but I don't have time to go to the gym. I I want to find a partner, but, you know, I'm too overweight, don't have enough money, too old, too young. I mean, just fill in the gap, right?
0: hmm yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, so those words, I want to write a book, I want to be a writer, that is a mirror to my subconscious, but it's also like it's looking at my soul, like my purpose in life is to write a book. And the words, but I'm not a writer, are an indication that somewhere deep down inside, I don't believe in myself enough, either I don't feel like I have the skill set, or maybe somewhere along the lines, I thought I had to have a Ph.D. in English, or maybe I thought I had to have connections in the, in the publishing industry. Well, the thing is that it doesn't even matter what the belief is, but what matters is what you do to overcome those what you do to overcome your beliefs, what you do to loosen your grip on your story from your past, and always be thinking about what can I action, what action can I take, what's one thing that I can do. And so for me, it was just as simple as years ago going to a writer's workshop.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And the writer's workshop
1: enabled you to address all of the questions that you had well, it gave me – so, you know, I was investing in myself. So that the belief of I didn't have the skill set, I was learning things at the writer's workshop that was in, an investment in myself and coming up with the skill set. Um, and I just – I kept doing that, and I ended up learning about the publishing industry. And, you know, three or four workshops later, I had written my book and was ready to go. I apologize. My son is doing that. <laughs> I thought oh, it was on business. silent. It's just been one of those days, you know, like oh, you were having technical oh, no. difficulty. Yes. <laughs> well, hopefully,
0: so you know, it, 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 let's let's go to the, one of those days. Let's let's just take advantage of this moment. Let's go to one of those days when you are in the midst of difficulty, and what the emotions, the mindset, the intervention are to yeah, walk through
1: one of those days, so that, that so that. She succeed. I would love to, um, and Dr. Carroll, if it's okay with you, can I share a story that I got from a, a phone call from a reader over the weekend? Sure. That I think really illustrates what you're going for here. So, in the book, I, I talk a lot about how we are attached to our stories from the past, and my own story, and I know that you know, but for the audience, um, I lost a child at a young age. I have another child with autism. I I went through unspeakable things as a child. Um not necessarily in the area of abuse, but more in the area of abandonment. So I've had my, you know, I've had my share of issues, let's just put it that way. And I was out on my own at 16 and people are really fascinated by how I was then able to turn around and start a business at 24. And not only start a business but change an industry that I work in um, because I work in the debt collections industry and there's a lot of change that needs to happen in that. But um, I talk a lot about we have to loosen the grip stories. And we have to – because every time we retell a story, what we're doing is we're strengthening the neural pathway in our subconscious that is training us to be a victim. And the beautiful thing about your story is in the moment – where you learn to move on. So over the weekend, um, this just happened, over the weekend I got a call from someone that is reading the book, and her story was horrific. It was that years and years ago, she was married with young kids, and she was having an affair. And the man she was having the affair with was also married. And so, you know, right away, you know, we're put in this position like we know she's doing stuff wrong You know, we know that 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 was her choice that she made to be in this situation. And everything got uncovered. The spouses found out. But her husband, while they were going through the divorce, made her stand in front of the children, the young children under 10 years old, made her stand in front of them and confess with details everything she had done. Now, I understand that she committed a moral sin and I understand you know all of that but if you think about breaking the, that she stood in front of her children to say this and this planted the seed of untrust with their mother in this, in the minds of these young children I can't even imagine what it was like for her to be demoralized and humiliated in that way and I can't mm-hmm. imagine what it was like for those children to have to witness that and growing up, and you know i'm imagining these children are like blaming their mother for the divorce, mm-hmm. so she said, "How do I rewrite a story like that? i don 't know how to do this mm-hmm. she uh, She loves everything in the book she's like, "I love cleansing clog, I can do that. you know, I can do these things, but I can't rewrite this story mm-hmm. and my words to her were." The way you begin to rewrite the story is you don't even tell the part about standing in front of the children with the humiliation. What you say over and over, your story is that you faced your deepest, darkest fears, still woke up the next day. You still woke up. You still had to be a mother. You still had to fix dinners. You still had to go to the PTA. You know, it was like she was the modern-day scarlet letter. I said, but your empowerment is that you faced, you were given this opportunity to face your deepest, darkest fears, and you survived.
0: That is well described in terms of being able to look at that you go forward and how do you go forward. Another thing about that story that reminds me is, People have a difficult time embracing their needs and their passions, and we get very confused about our needs and our passions. And so when we do something, whether it's eating stuff that's really abhorrent for us or we have an affair or we we escape and run away from something because we're just so miserable and yet that causes a cascade of complications, we may be trying desperately to listen to our passions and our needs but don't know how to respond. And I think that one of the things that your book does offer is not only to learn how to communicate to yourself but also learn how to listen to yourself along those lines. Do you want to speak more to that idea of how to listen to your needs and your passions so that you can get yourself on route to communicating to yourself and others? I think that when you talk, for example, about your company and how do you talk your people into addressing debtors who don't want to pay differently? Uh, You had to look at your company differently and someone reframed it for you. So that, and said, it's all about karma. So I don't want to give that story totally away, but how do we listen to our needs and our passions in a way that we can turn it into problem solving or clear communication to ourselves and others?
1: And what you're saying really makes me think of the big P word that's floating around everywhere in today's Mm -hmm. world, which is purpose. Mm -hmm. What's my purpose? I surely have a purpose. Everyone has a purpose. And certainly um, one of the things that I've noticed is we're searching for this purpose. And what I learned is that your purpose, is your natural skill set that you were born with. So everyone has a set of traits that that they are just gifted at. You know, whether it is speaking, writing, teaching, maybe it is working with young children. If you don't know what your gifts are, you can easily take a personality test. Like you can go online and you can take a free Myers-Briggs or a DISC DIS profile. And it will spit out a list of traits. It will tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hmm. But if you just take the list of the good and you say to yourself, how can I apply this to whatever I'm doing? You will live your passion and you will find deep fulfillment in whatever work you are doing. So in the book I love to talk about this as sometimes even saying what superhero do you admire or what archetype who would you be if you could choose this archetype throughout history and uh, my own answer to that was a cross between and this not all of this is in the book but a cross between Jessica Rabbit and Scarlett O'Hara and I had very specific reasons for choosing both of those so Jessica Rabbit um, I'm tall Jessica's tall And she's kind of sassy. You know, I like that about her. I love how she's (laughs) feminine and sexy, right? I love that. But also that Jessica Rabbit, she could have any man she wants because she was like the cartoon hottie. But she wanted Roger because Roger Rabbit is a force for good, and she saw the good in him. Well, guess what? One of my personality traits is I always see the good in people, always. It just comes natural to me. And I have a way of just knowing what is good with somebody. So there you go. When you look at who you admire, there's going to be a trait about them that is a mirror to your own gifts. And then with Scarlet, it's this thing about, you know, Scarlet is like business brilliant, and I just love that about her. <laughs> and she's so tough and resilient, and, you know, I love that about her and no one messes with her, you know? Like they might talk behind her back, but they don't they don't mess with her. But I also came to realize that Scarlett's life was filled with chaos and struggle. You know, there was always one mm-hmm. drama after another after another. And when I looked at my own life, I I saw very much that same thing. Like I always felt like I'm putting out fires, I'm always putting band-aids on things. I'm always like running five steps behind. And what I realized was that I didn't want to be Scarlet anymore. I wanted to be Dorothy because Dorothy had the power all along. And Dorothy had the unconditional love and support of the Tin Man, the Cowardly Lion, and the Scarecrow. And I thought, I just loved how I reframed that because then I could see where do I have unconditional love and support in my life. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I'm not – I just want the listeners to understand that it doesn't have to be complicated. And whatever it is that you are passionate about, whatever it is that that are your truest, like, natural-born gifts, that when you figure out how you're going to apply that to your JOB or your your mom group or whatever it is that you're doing, you will see such miraculous changes in your life.
0: So if you were to take the many people who have read your book, and like you did this wonderful example of this woman uh, who contacted you this weekend and how to reframe that, are there stories that arise to your mind where people did do exactly what you did and they, they were able to convert themselves into being a manifestation of their best qualities or, their, or to take hold of the best community that supported them. Do you have any stories that can help our listeners know this is about them and what they can do starting today? Again, while, while Mary Shore is thinking of the answers of that, I want everybody to go out and purchase Conscious Communication. <laughs> it's a, a fabulous book. It's very well written. It's very helpful. It is something you can dive into at any point in the book and get something that's going to assist you through the day. But it is also a read that progresses you through your own change into being able to relate to yourself and others and, and influence, uh, in a sense, manipulate your brain your body, the people around you, for everybody is greater good. I, I I'm very enthusiastic, Mary Shores, about your book. So what did you come up with in terms of an example that I put you on a spot to answer?
1: Well, I you know, I've got one in that a reader of the book, she actually wrote this in a review. So She says, I'm so thankful I found this book and for Mary for writing it and sharing her life stories and inspiring words. I'm only on Chapter 2, but I'm absorbing every word. And she's talking about how she's feeling lost. She's felt so crippled by anxiety and self-doubt, and she's been talking herself out of playing the game of life. She's become more of a spectator instead of a participant. And she doesn't like what she sees in the mirror. And she realized it was time to dig herself out of this dark place. And what she loved she actually shared an excerpt from the book um which is exactly what you've talked what you're talking about is she said it really hit her over the head and helped her realize that every time she's told her story in to- order to make connections with other people so it's like you know when you meet a new girlfriend and and you talk about who you are you talk about it in a way that this narrative this this retelling of your story becomes your identity and she was talking about how she realized that even though she felt she was making this superficial connection with people, that it was actually disconnecting her from being able to feel joy. And it was keeping her buried in the past, which is exactly what that part is about. Because when you tap in, when you start to go through the steps of tapping into the empowering part of the story, you know, going back to the woman that I said, the empowering part of your story is that you faced your deepest, darkest fear, and the thing that came to mind when you asked that question is about Holocaust survivors. Hmm. One thing that I've noticed, and I don't have a case study on this, but I'm sure that they're out there, but one thing I've noticed is that so many people that I see that were Holocaust survivors are very positive people and very successful people. And I asked some friends, I'm like, what in the Jewish community is making this, them so positive? And they said they lived through such unspeakable horrors that nobody can ever, what can you do to someone who's already lived through that? And it's the same kind of thing like with this woman. You know, now that she's already faced her deepest, darkest fears, what could possibly affect her? And when you realize that the things in life are happening for you, which I know that sounds crazy, but... Mm -hmm. My child passing away in the way that she did, she had a severe brain injury, was the catalyst for me 25 years ago to to start to learn about the brain. And the ripple effect of what I've taught people over the last 25 years, you know, that's part of the story too. That's the empowerment. And once you realize that part of it, your tolerance, for pain, your tolerance for risk, your tolerance to live life increases so much. So one of the benefits of surviving
0: a difficulty, whether you've caused it or someone else has, is to recognize I must have a lot of strength because look what I endured and I'm still waking up, which is to your first example. If you wouldn't mind helping us understand the biochemistry, the neurochemistry of being able to do the self-talk uh, as associated with the hippocampus, the chemistry of love and happiness, and the RAC, the reticular Formation. So take it away in terms of convincing us, those of us who need science, that these sorts of approaches actually changes our brain and our physiology.
1: Sure. So this very same woman that I was talking about, um, she was having a panic attack. every Every time she would go to the town that this happened in, she was having a panic attack. And I said, well, the reason she's having a panic attack is because our bodies are so miraculously, infinitely intelligent. And our bodies, when we get put into a situation that triggers something from the past, our bodies begin to recreate the exact chemicals that were present the first time it happened. So in, in order for things like a panic attack, it would be like an extreme rush of, of cortisol and adrenaline and, and things that just gear your body up to go in complete fight or flight mode. But the same can also be true, like you were saying, about the loving feelings, the vasopressin the oxytocin, and the serotonin. And so I wrote this process. It's called Five Steps to Break Through Your Breakdown. And you mentioned the RAC, the reticular activating system. So in this first step of Five Steps to Break Through Your Breakdown, you're going to want to write a list of all of the worst problems that you have in life, like not past problems but current ones. And science has shown, and there was a study done by Matthew Lieberman out, out of UCLA, that just by naming your problems, just by naming and labeling them, it actually creates dopamine and serotonin in your brain. And while it's doing that, it stimulates the problem solving areas of your brain. And so just by doing that simple act, you can, number one, you can feel better, but it's like you're stimulating that part of the brain that's going to bring you the ideas of how you can solve that those problems. And so that's just one example of how it works. Another way that it works is by having a practice of gratitude. So I, I love to talk about gratitude, but not gratitude like I owe it to a God to be grateful. But gratitude in the way that spiritually and scientifically supports that when you have a daily gratitude practice, what you're doing is you're creating neural networks in your subconscious that primes the muscle of your brain to look for more things to be grateful for. So, you know, Wayne Dyer was famous for saying, change your thoughts, change your life, or when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Well, breaking that down, what does that mean? So if you can learn to be grateful... And and you perceive your world as a, a place that is good and grateful, then the things you look at start to be things that are good that you would be grateful for. Keep going. Okay. So now, so so, now you've got
0: so now you've got the uh, the the making of the lists uh, that's going to change the serotonin and dopamine in your brain, and then you're going to write down the list of gratefulness, which is going to. Activate your attention. So continue. This is an interesting path to take.
1: Okay, sure. So another step in that process is, you know, you mentioned about self-compassion. And so I didn't know this when when I started doing this research for these five steps. But there's actually a place in your brain and there's actually certain hormones that cause you to feel compassion for yourself. And I think that compassion for ourselves is a is a difficult thing to conjure up. And, and let me just give you a picture. Um, let's say that Dr. Carol and I are we're BFFs. So, her and I we have coffee every Sunday morning at the coffee shop, and we're sitting there. And I and she tells me this horrific thing, this big mistake that she's made. And let's just say, you know, oh, I made a big mistake on at my job and I'm really worried about what's going to happen. Like, I'm scared I'm going to lose my job. I know I know you own your own business, but this is just a story. So, <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> I'm not going to look at her and go, you stupid, foolish woman. You're so dumb. How could you have done that? What is wrong with you? I'm not going to look at her and say that. I'm going to look at her and I'm going to say, you know what, I understand and that sounds horrible and I just want to hug you right now because I know how wonderful and good you are and I know that this is going to be okay and what can I do to help you, right? Mm -hmm. But, but But if you or if I were telling you the problems and your girlfriend reacts that way, but if I made those same mistakes, I would be telling myself, how could I be so flipping stupid? What is wrong with you? You've just ruined your life. You're never going to change. So why is it that I can come up with that compassion for you but not for myself? Mm-hmm. And so when you write this list of your problems, and and I don't know, you know, it's really interesting how this works, but when you write the list of the problems and say you have five things or 20 things or, or whatever, and you look at the list, all of a sudden it's like the list is now coming from your best girlfriend, and you will automatically have compassion for yourself, and you will create vasopressin. Vasopressin is, is another – it's like oxytocin, but it's, but it's more about compassion than it is the bond. So you will have compassion for yourself because you will create face in your system.
0: You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about the example you gave of a woman that contacted you this weekend. And part of the process for her children may be that her children learn how to have compassion, empathy, and forgiveness. And you're talking about having compassion, empathy for ourselves, including forgiveness. Um, that, it's valuable to have a certain objectivity uh being able to say, oh, I'm guilty. I blew it. That was really stupid or wrong to do. And then to come back and say, okay, I need to solve this. I need to remedy this. I need to affect some change is mobilizing all of that, all fulfilling into changing the circumstances so that it now can be made right to the best of your ability And then the step of being able to have compassion, empathy, and forgiveness seems to be the middle spot between admitting the wrong and getting yourself up by your suspenders, when we used to wear suspenders, and say, okay, we we have got to implement some interventions on this. Um, And to what degree can you speak of when you feel so completely demotivated to get yourself mobilized? And how you shift into mobilizing yourself into the state of remedy after this compassion and empathy has taken place
1: sure, and it's interesting because we're really what what I think about when I hear you say that is a cycle of procrastination hmm. when you 've gotten to the point of overwhelm and you are unsurmountably stuck then it triggers, you know, when we, we call it fight or flight, but it's really fight, fight, or freeze. I don't know right. if you remember that from school, but, yeah, so it's right. fight, fight, or freeze. And mm-hmm. so when we jump into this, when we get into this cycle of procrastination, what happens is we go into freeze, and that's why we use the word stuck, because we literally feel like we're moving through mud or we can't take the steps we need to take. We know sometimes right that we need to take action, but we find ourselves watching a series of kitten videos on YouTube. And and what happens is when you feel stuck, you reach for the escape, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Facebook, whether it's whatever, you know, everyone is different. Some people, it's shopping. You know, then what happens is you get like an, an emergency dose of serotonin and dopamine. Right. So when you right. watch the kitty video, oh, the kitty video is cute. Or maybe it's a little girl in a, in a tutu doing her ballerina, you know, or, or the, the latest little girl who's um, saying to Simon on the show and, you know, blew his mind. And these things make us feel good, right? Yes, these, absolutely. They, they, they flood our, our systems with dopamine and serotonin. But then what happens is it's a very temporary rush. And then it crashes again. And then now, later in the day, you've the dopamine and the serotonin has worn off, and now you feel guilty. You feel guilty because you wasted so much time. You know, like, oh, my gosh, why didn't I get anything done today? And then the cycle just starts over again because we're in freeze mode. And so right. when you do these, and I actually just wrote a blog this week, I think, called Five Ways to Get Unstuck. But when you do simple practices, because this stuff does not have to be complicated. So when you do something like um, one of the steps in the five steps is to recall a past triumph in your life. And again, because when you recall a past triumph, when you think about the time that you won first prize in the science fair or you got an A on the test that you just knew you you were not going to do well on, or maybe when you graduated college or, or you know, whatever, or you got a promotion. When you think about a past triumph, it's doing the same thing. It's recreating the chemicals in your body that were present at the time that it happened. And so this gives you a rush of inspiration, and it gives you what you need to move forward, almost like a vitamin, only it's an internal vitamin. And it also again stimulates the part of your brain that are like the action step part like you need to do a b c to work yourself out of this problem and it's just a very natural thing it's not like you're thinking oh i'm going to write this list and i'm going to get a rush of of serotonin it's not like that at all it just feels very natural the best way i can explain this is have you ever have you ever known a man in your life maybe your grandpa your husband your brother that tells the fishing story or the time they got the home run. (laughs) And every time they tell the story, it gets bigger and more elaborate.
0: Hmm.
1: Like, you know, the fish was one foot and now it's like six foot big or six foot long. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Okay, so there's a reason why the story grows over time, and that's because and they also get very animated when they tell these stories. So the reason for that is, is because, number one, their body is creating the chemicals that were present when they caught the big fish, okay? Right. But the details are growing in their mind, and those are the ideas that are coming forth. And so if you, you know, one of those steps is to recall your past triumph, the same thing will happen to you, and you'll be like, you know what? I got through my divorce. I got through my divorce. I know I can get through this and you will you will just very naturally begin to produce an an inner environment that's going to help you thrive through this situation. Well, it's it's
0: interesting because your book actually offers a plethora of so many different remedies just like what you were talking about. Uh, you you elaborated this one approach and in your book you elaborate hundreds of approaches that people can take. I think that your book is energizing and that your book itself becomes a way of someone saying, okay, I can do it now. I'm equipped. I have my, my textbook. I have my inspirational author here and I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this, even if it's just the first little step. And Along those first little steps, can you talk a little bit about what feels like the magic of synchronicity? So this is associated to some of your readings about the reticular, what I call reticular formation, but can you talk about that synchronicity that can intrigue people to put out feelers into the world as to what that list or their passions are and begin to observe how the world talks back to them?
1: Sure. So I think in the, in the book, I, I have a little, I have one of my very favorite sections in the book is called synchronicities, magic, and probabilities. And it's in chapter five of the book. And I just, I just love, that was my very, very favorite section was talking about the magic and the synchronicities and the probabilities. And I'll I'll tell you why. Because when we look at the potential that we have in life, you know, I think we can accept the idea that infinite possibilities are available to us. So what that means is that anything could happen at any time. We have a very unpredictable, unstable life. Okay, But when we think about unlimited possibilities or infinite possibilities, I think we assume something positive, like I have the possibility of going on Oprah, but I also have the possibility of not going on Oprah, <laughs> you know what I mean? But we, when we think about possibilities, we tend to think about that in the positive. But don't I also have the possibility of becoming an alcoholic or getting in a car accident or filing bankruptcy or, you know, just massive failure? And so it's really the choices that we make that shape our lives. So the choices that we make in any given given situation is what changes something from a possibility to a probability. Now, a probability means that due to the circumstances, this is likely to happen. And I think that that's fascinating. So what I mean by that is like going back to the beginning of the show, when I was talking about wanting to be a writer, the thing that I did, the action that I took to make that a probability was I was going to writer's workshops. So I was just doing one simple thing to change my probability. Now I can tell you without a doubt, had I not done that, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. So when you start – to just move in a new direction. When you take one step in a new direction in life, you've just opened up 10,000 new possibilities for yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you just do something in the direction of what you want, whether it's buy a house, apply for a job, go on a diet, book a trip, take a writer's workshop, read a book, I mean just doing one thing in a new direction changes things. Changes your probabilities. And then when you begin to train yourself to notice, which I do teach you in the book because I want you to start to notice when these synchronicities are happening for you. It's like things just start to line up and I believe that I describe it as synchronicity and magic is just when when things are just flowing, you know like you think, oh, I need, to, I need this opportunity and the next thing you know, the person sitting next to you on the plane is the perfect person that you needed to get in contact with. And there's just no way to, like, scientifically explain how that happens. Hmm. But it happens. And when it does, it just makes you feel so good and so juiced. The best way I can explain this is um, I really think that the opportunities were there all along, and perhaps we just didn't notice them. And so, uh, Dr. Carroll, do you ever do any of those you know, I always see those word searches flo- floating around on social media, and it'll say something like, the first three words you see are, right. you know, and then some meaning to your life. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would take a moment and do those word searches, and I would always find the same words, no matter what the puzzle was. So I thought that everybody found those same three words. But then when I would look in the comments, no. People found words that I didn't even see. And the reason for that is because our brains are so smart. And here's another example: Have you ever um, opened a magazine or a newspaper, and it was like your eyes just sort of went to this one thing that popped out at you, and it was the perfect right. thing you needed to read?
0: Absolutely. So when you
1: when you look at a newsprint or a, ma- a magazine or even a book, you can open up to a page, and your brain has already read every word on that page and that's in your subconscious. And then what happens is the subconscious feeds it to the conscious mind to move your eyes to the thing it wants you to see. But in one little split second, you've already read the entire newspaper article. Oh, and then it just, its you're Hinkle. unconscious of this, you're not aware of it, but your eyes are directed by your subconscious to the thing that it wants you to see. It's just such a miracle.
0: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: I'm so sorry about that
0: interruption there because what I was wanting to see on my computer was your website because I believe that people who have turned into the show, that this is an act of synchronicity for them. And I was trying to find your website on one of my tabs. What is your website, Mary, so that they can get in touch with you?
1: Sure. You can find us so easily, MaryShores.com, M-A-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E-S.com. Well, I'm also extremely active on social media. So on Facebook, I have a group that your listeners are welcome to join. It's called Fearless Ambition. And what I do in that group is I give daily um, coaching prompts. So if you want to be a member of the group, all you have to do is join and then just answer the questions that come up daily. Also, it's a great way for me to pass along any free um, free stuff I'm working on. So I'm constantly creating uh, personal development challenges, and we put all of that stuff free in our group. Wonderful. I know that
0: uh, your title, Conscious Communication, of this particular book has impact on people, and we're not really talking so much about the words one uses with self and others in this communication so far that that you're mentioning. Can you be more specific about the way you've applied this to your work situation, to your own self-esteem, and now also to your Facebook group where they're communicating consciously with deliberate words that are to be said and words that are to be avoided?
1: Sure. So the way that I used it in my business was that I understood, and and like I said, I, I do own a debt collection company, And early on, and this was many, many years ago, I began to study the impact that certain words would have on people. And so I created a do not say list because what I realized was if I were to tell a customer a certain phrase, that their reaction would be very much out of their fight or flight. So they would want to argue and And, you know, it just wasn't a good, positive conversation. And my mission began to be I want people to feel good about paying a debt because having a debt is a psychological burden. And it's a burden that builds a brick wall in between people and living the life that they want. And so I started to study words and the impact that it had on people and learned how – that if you choose this for yourself, and the way that I personally did it was I wrote a page of affirmations a day. So I felt a little silly saying the affirmations, and I thought, I'm just going to write them. So every day I wrote a page of affirmations. Well, what I was doing with that daily practice that was very repetitive is that I was feeding my mind with things that I wanted to declare as my truth. Um, and it worked and i'm 'm a big person of of wanting the listeners to understand that this stuff does not work in a day, okay? like it totally is a journey. I am a complete workshop junkie, and if I ever saw an advertisement like come to our weekend workshop and transform your life in a weekend. I was a total believer that I was going to show up at that workshop and I was going to walk away a different person. And every time I would think, well, I feel good, but nothing's changed. And the reason for that is because real change takes habit, it takes practice, and it takes time. And when you look back in five years, you're, you're definitely not the same person because you're always evolving But when you can get deliberate about how you make those changes, and that's why the subtitle of the book is Harness the Power of Words to Change, because we want to change our minds, our choices, and our life. So you can use words to work on your subconscious programming. And words is just one of the ways that I give in the book. So every single chapter has a different um, method of how you can rewire your mind. But then your choices begin to change. And when you begin to make new choices, your entire life changes. I love the – one of my
0: favorite stories is how you're standing in front of your staff and a collection agency, which the dread of having to be a collector to make a cold call into someone saying, hey, you owe money, uh, the slamming, the denial, the – the antagonism, the accusations that your per, people must have endured, while they were saying, "Hey, you need to pay this," uh, it comes to yeah, mind. Can, 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 of...
1: can we all just agree that nobody, nobody like graduates college <laughs> and thinks, "I want to go work at the collection agency." <laughs> I, I, I was, I
0: was just, I had to read that several times, and, and for real, for real. Can you tell, tell the rest of the story, because I'm sure you're going to tell it better than I, where you're standing in front of them and saying, okay, we're going to do this next call differently. In fact, in this next call, and you change your way of communicating to that caller, and everybody's it's such a beautiful job.
1: Yeah, it's such a beautiful story, too, about how the reticular activating system works. So I literally, you know, I was wanting for a long time, we were using a sales approach, to um, we wanted to sell people on the idea to, to pay the debt, but there was still this like adversarial relationship happening. And yes. so I was meeting with my staff and I literally just looked at the phone and I said, I want the next person to call to be happier at the end of the call than they were at the beginning. And so I started to train my staff and I said, and I think in the book I'm like, this sounds crazy. This is not a spa. This is a debt collection company. <laughs> <Like>, yeah. <laughs> why are? But my when my focus began, the goal began. I want every person to be happier at the end of the call than they were at the beginning of the call. Because how many times do you call customer service? I actually just had to call customer service today for my credit card, and it was the most frustrating thing because I had apparently a security word on there that was my favorite vacation spot. And, of course, I have no idea what this woman is talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But my point is, how many times do you call customer service and you're way more frustrated at the end of the call? Right. And so as soon as I said that, it was like my mind gave me the formula of how to make that happen. And that formula eventually became what we call Words That Work. And Words That Work is my system of what I use to not only collect debt, but I train on this in healthcare, in IT, in engineering. I mean, I just train on this as a method of communication. Because right. the words you say, everything you say, every action you take, every word you speak, everything you do, is either creating a deeper connection, it's building rapport, it's creating a connection, not just to other people, but to living the life that you want, or it's driving a disconnection. So every choice you make in the thin sliced moments of life is either connecting you to what you want, disconnecting you. It's Mm -hmm. just that simple.
0: I'm going to be speaking to a group on violence in the workplace, and these will be managers. And I was thinking to myself while I was reading your book, what would it be like for the managers to really recognize the power of their words and their actions to the people that they are managing, as well as helping the whole team become very conscious of that, especially in an IT field where there's there's a lot of smack talk. There's a lot of sarcasm. That's kind of the way there's the bro love, the the bro sister love through the smack talk sort of things. But, It is provocative to the brain in a way that it aggravates the uh, antagonism, the aggression, the stress responses inside the brain. So it's interesting that you say you're talking to these companies and applying these principles so that they understand the way in which they're impacting each other. So you've talked about impacting each other and you've talked about impacting ourselves and in the moments that remain, not only do you want to know, again, all of your contact information and how people can access the wealth of information you have to offer, but also what what can they do in this moment that reaches deep into their soul and their passion, like the way you did, and identify and stir this next 60 seconds, the way you did your group, and you say, I want the person to be happier at the end of the conversation at the beginning, what can people say as they walk off this program that stirs them into mobilizing being their optimal self?
1: Gee, no pressure or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well you're both so, okay, a marvelous I'm gonna give job you Carol, I love you so much, I'm gonna give you two. <laughs> so one is to ask yourself this question and just sit on this question. Okay. What could I do that would be impossible to do, but if I did it, it would literally change everything? Hmm. And then whatever the answer is, write it down, because that answer is very important. Hmm. What could I do that is impossible to do, but if I did it, it would change everything? And then my follow-up to that is a quote, um, one of my, it's my own quote, but I love it. Greatest manifestations happen outside of your comfort zone. So whatever it is that you answer for question number one, it's probably something outside of your comfort zone. And just understand that if you put even one little baby toe into, out, in that outside of your comfort zone, it's going to be scary, but it's also going to be so exciting. And it will change everything. Hmm. Beautifully said, and thanks for all
0: that inspiration. So how do we stay connected to you? Give us all that information yet again.
1: Well, great. So I would love for anyone who's listening or interested to please go to Amazon or Hay House or Barnes and Noble and just read the description of the book, Conscious Communications. And if it resonates with you, you know, give it a shot. I mean, I'm not trying to sell this book to everyone, but if you just read the read the information there, you'll know whether this is the book for you. And I want to just say that on Friday, the book actually hit number one. Um, oh yes, wonderful! And and that was a very exciting moment. I actually called Hay House like and had this just joyous scream fest on a phone with Hay House because I was so excited. Oh. But um, the, the book hit number one and it's on sale on Kindle right now for a dollar ninety nine. You can get the paperback on Amazon for ten eighty seven and um it's a wonderful book. It's changing people's lives and the response to it has been just overwhelmingly amazing. So that's Conscious Communications. You can find me via my website, maryshores.com, dot com and all over social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Even LinkedIn, if you send me a LinkedIn request, I will happily accept it. And the name is um, Mary, M-A-R-Y, Shores, S-H-O-R-E-S.
0: And again, the Facebook
1: group that you are wonderfully uh, attentive to is what? It is Fearless Ambition.
0: Fearless Ambition. Okay, folks, I'm typing it into my computer. I want you to do so as well. Mary, thank you so much in this rather glitchy moment, this glitchy hour of conversation where we couldn't even get the system working and so forth and so on. I feel like those glitches even spell out more. Life is full of glitches, folks, but it's the way you answer them that's going to make your life tingle with that sense of, wow, this is amazing. Thank you so much, Mary, for joining us.
1: Thank you. It's been my pleasure.
0: And we will talk to you down the road very soon. Folks, go check out The Fearless Ambition. Go check out Conscious Communication. Go check out maryshore.com. And check out yourself so that you can be the best you possibly can as you move in the box and outside the box of
1: your most excellent self.
0: Cheers.